following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Good afternoon everyone and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which is actually being made on a Sunday, which we've not done in a long time. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Liverpool and me and Mike are sat inside on computers like geeks, really, you know. But we're not looking at porn. So... I don't like, in fairness, I don't like the sunshine. Neither do I, to be fair. Be- being a ginger, I'm, I'm adverse to uh, I'm adverse to the sun, you know. Yeah. It can, it can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. How are you, Mike? I've not spoken to you in a while. I'm fine, thanks, bud. Um, all ticking along. Nice, nice and smoothly this end. Good, good. We we'll still need to finish that Logan podcast at some point. Oh yeah, that will that will get done sometime this I think, decade. I think we mentioned it in the introduction podcast, which by the way we have actually had listens to. Um, that basically we started talking about Logan and spent an hour just talking about the characters and didn't actually talk about the film itself. So yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, eventually. we'll we'll get that done. Yeah. So, today, we are here to talk about Phone Booth. Um, I don't know if you know, you probably did notice it, Mike. I put a, uh, a slight teaser um, on Facebook about it. I noticed. And, but what annoyed me was that I, I must have told Anthony that I was doing Phone Booth yesterday in the pub um, with you today. Because I was trying to be cheeky and trying to be clever and trying to think, ooh, can, can I make people think we're doing, um, we're doing Doctor Who? And I was going to start it by making like loads of Doctor Who references and play the theme tune. They say, "Ha ha ha We're actually doing phone booth, but pull yeah. the rugs. Yeah, just 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 to mess with with Doctor Who people. Not that I know if we actually have any Doctor Who people. Oh, you don't you don't fuck around with the Doctor Who fan base, mate. They will they'll shiv you. Are, are they worse than the Star Trek people? I've heard Star Trek people are quite bad. Oh yeah, but not as bad as not as bad as the Star Wars people. Those. <laughs> You know, those guys are fucking hardcore geeks. <laughs> they they will come round and kill your family. This is true, although I've heard the same about, like, certain Marvel films as well, but, you know... But... No, I think the Marvel fan base are fairly, fairly laid back. Mm. They're just happy their films are getting made. This is very true. And, and to, 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 you know, to Marvel films' credits, the ones that I've seen, they've not been bad, but then again, as I say... I still don't fully understand. I still couldn't tell you what a Marvel and what a DC film is. So anyway, yeah, but we're not doing Marvel this week. Um, we are doing a choice of mine this week of phone booth. Um, so before we get into the main storyline, because let's be honest, there's not an, there's not a massive amount to the storyline, and as I'll go on to explain in a minute, it's not really that interesting. But what did you think of this overall when I, when I mentioned this and said, hey, how do you feel about doing this film? I, I really, really like the choice, to be honest, because it's a, it's a good film. I, I've re- always really enjoyed it. I haven't seen it in years. Um, but it's, it's one of those films that you can watch, and it kind of feels familiar as soon as you watch it. It's it's a very very simple setup. It's 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 basically a a, a one room mystery, um, but it's it's a really effective little film, and um, I've picked up a, a few little interesting tidbits about this because uh, the screenwriter actually pitched this to to uh, Alfred Hitchcock in oh, the sixties. Blimey, okay. And Hitchcock was interested, but 
um, obviously you couldn't, couldn't make it work. It was only in the 90s when the screenwriter came up with the idea of the sniper. Uh, he wrote the screenplay within a month. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have been interested to see... Um, I'd have been interested to see Hitchcock's take on it, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how that would have worked, but... I mean, no we're talking about the 60s here, so phone booths were a lot more ubiquitous, especially yes. in America back then. Very much so. You know, they were everywhere, but I think I think what does help it is the fact that it was set, it was made in the 2000s. When uh, yeah, 2003, I think it was. 2002. Was it 2002, sorry. So phone booths were kind of coming to the end of their life. I mean, you couldn't make this film in America now. Because there are no more phone booths, they've gone. Yeah, that's it. They 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 seem to you, you know they've they've gone they've, they've gone completely you know they just have disappeared from from everyday life. I mean, this certainly isn't the first film for me anyway, and I think you're probably the same that gave me um, exposure to the whole mobile phone thing. Um, you know, I, I I think the first time I remember seeing a mobile phone in a, um, in an actual film. Um, was Scream, where they were yeah. used, and they were like, "What exactly? Why have you got a cellular telephone, young man?" It's like, well, everybody's got them, you know. And I, I don't, I can't remember what year or what age I was when I got my first mobile, but I don't think it would have been that. I think it was around two thousand, two thousand one. I, I'm a few years older than you, so I had one, obviously a, a bit earlier. Mm. Uh, my my first one was a was a Motorola uh, MicroTac. <laughs> oh god! Oh, was that the one that flipped that had the very? That small was the screen? one that flipped. Yes. It was cool as fuck, man. I I remember I remember Scully had that on the X Files at one stage. Yeah. Because that was the thing. I know people think that mobile phones are expensive these days, but really they're cheap by comparison to what we used to pay. Oh god, yeah. I mean, my my first one was it was a peasy go, and I I think I paid two hundred quid for it. I seem to remember with Vodafone, and I was telling this story to people at work the other day, um, that when I was first got a contract with Vodafone on pay as you go, if you didn't use all the credit in that space of the week, you had it taken away from you, and you yeah. had to get more credit. And you know, back then that was the norm, but these days you'd be like, "Are you having a laugh? What the fuck?" Well, this is it. I mean, I've got a, I've got a phone contract now uh, that's seven pound fifty a month. I'm uh, not even going you know, to say came, how much my contract is, because mine is quite a lot higher than that. That, that came with a phone? Yeah. yeah. For 7.50 a month. They gave me a phone. Oh, God. Yeah. But then again, I'm a sucker. I, I wanted an iPhone, and I was prepared to pay I was prepared to pay through the nose for it. So, yeah. you know, it's kind well, of my I, I managed to un- un- unhook myself from the, uh, the I want craze. <laughs> And I'm now happily using Android, which is a far, far better, I uh, far better op- mobile oh, I, love you, I love the fact that you you slipped that in there. I would disagree, but you know, I realise there's really no point because <laughs> everybody knows that Apple's better. But anyway, that's not the point. We're, we're not we're, we're, we're not here to have an Apple versus Android um, argument. Okay, so basically. Um, phone booth centres around the main protagonist in the film, Stuart, otherwise known as Stu, um, who is played by Karen Farrell. He is, from what I could gather, a publicist within New York City, who effectively believes that he's untouchable and he's very much in love with his own hype. 
you know, in the beginning you see him walking and talking as an uprising, you know, talking to stars, newspapers, magazines. It, he, he really thinks he is all of that and a bag of potato chips, as the young Oh, he's, just, he's the centre of the universe, man. Yeah, I mean, um, how old do you think he was in this? Because I, I, I would have guessed around like late twenties, just come on early thirties. How do you reckon? Yeah, I'll have put him around twenty-seven, twenty-eight. So, um, as we as we carry on, we saw him, we see him talking to a protege. Uh, I believe his name is Adam, who you know just hangs off his every word. Um, he seems like a genuinely nice guy, you know, you can tell he, he wants to be Stu, whether that's a good thing or not, well, you know, you, you, you can it's take it to the side, I think. It, well, the thing is, though, I can, I can understand why Adam sees his life as very glamorous. You know, I, I completely get it. Um, I can see why he does hang off his every word, absolutely, you know. I, I, I completely get that, you know. He's a charismatic dude, you know, don't get me wrong, but it, it's whether, you know, is that the kind of guy you should really aspire to be? Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll discuss more about that as we talk about the actual <laughs> the, the actual film as to why this isn't the kind of character you should, you know, you should want to be like in life. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, we'll actually, we'll get into that now because... Let's face it, you know, Stu is, he's, he's a bit of a sleazy character, he's a sleazy New Yorker. He's very, I think he's very much of that money-hungry, young, rich generation. I mean, I, I don't know, I've obviously never been there myself, I've never even been out, I've never been to the States, but I, I can imagine there's an awful lot of people who did probably watch this and think, yeah, I want that sort of life. And I can imagine that there are probably people out there who are like the Stu character. Well, I mean, as, as well as that, you know, we've got the guy's got a choice between Katie Hopkins, Katie Holmes, sorry, and Rather Mitchell. Yes. And you know, who doesn't? Who's not going to envy that kind of choice? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. Even, I mean, even watching it, I was jealous of the guy for even having the chance. It, it, I mean, it should be said before we before we continue that there are going to be spoilers. You know, as ever, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you've not seen the film. Go watch it. Come back. Um, so to talk about um, uh, Pam and Kelly, Pam um, played by uh, Katie Holmes and Kelly played by uh, Rather Mitchell or however you pronounce her surname, uh, first name. Rather, uh, he is he's forming a relationship with Pam, but from what you can gather, nothing's actually happened between them. Uh, he's married to Kelly um, in what seems like a you know, not a terrible marriage. There doesn't seem to be anything necessarily wrong with it. I mean, I don't think he's a particularly bad guy. I think he just likes the idea of having Pam and and being and being able to have her because you know she never seems to give the impression that anything's actually happened between the two of them. I I, I don't know. I think it's been. I think it's probably been leading up to it. Yeah. Where uh, you've met a few times. Um, if he's wanted to go further, but it just hasn't quite happened yet. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, it may be different, but he does come. He confesses later on that he wanted to. He wanted to sleep with her, so I don't think maybe it's happened yet. 
but he's he's certainly been been trying his utmost. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, you know, she she does say at one stage, you know, I might be from, it's like Nebraska or Oklahoma or somewhere. What one, one, you know, what one, one of those um, locations in America, which you know, whether they it's should or whether they shouldn't, I, I I don't know these places. I I, I wouldn't see to judge them. Um, but generally, the 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 miscon the conception or misconception, whichever way it is, is that these people are small town small town people. They don't know anything about the real world. They live in their own little bubble, and that's just the way they are. Again, how true that is, I don't know. But she says, "Look, I might be from Nebraska or wherever it happens to be, but we have guys there as well." You know, when the caller says that she's um, he's basically lying to her. Yeah. I mean, she's not the most... I don't know. I mean, as much as I like Katie Holmes, she doesn't... I don't know. I, <sighs> she, I mean, she's not a, a really charismatic character in this, I don't think. Uh, she had a uh, very small part to play, to be fair. I, I mean, in fairness, most of the actors in this had a small part to play. Yes. Um, you know, we'll have really the three main characters of the film. You've got Colin Farrell's Stu... Uh, the caller played by Kiefer Sutherland and Forrest Whitaker as Captain Raimi. Yes. And they're really the three, the only three characters that this film centres on. The the others are kind of satellite characters. They're there, but basically they're there just for for ballast, if you will. Because they have to be. Yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, I think that helps this film because it it does keep it between really those those three core actors. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it it kind of keeps that that bit of tension up. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the basic setup um, before we go any further. So, um, as we say, there are going to be spoilers. The idea is, um, Stu is in a phone box, and he calls Pam so that the phone records can't be traced. Uh, he says, come on, you know, I want to help you out, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, and just as he, just as he's about to leave the phone booth, he gets a call from the from inside the phone box. He picks it up, Kiefer Sutherland, although you don't know it's Kiefer Sutherland at the time, because he never, you know... I don't think many people did know that he was playing this character at the time of this film, and says, hi, you know, <laughs> you've been a bad little boy, and I'm going to kill you if you don't seek redemption. And by the way, I've done it twice before. He was effectively Jigsaw before Jigsaw became a thing. Um, yeah, you know, sort of a a, a mass sort of a, a judge, jury, and executioner rolling into one sort of a, sort of a character. Um, you know, obviously, Colin Fowle sees this as a bit of a joke. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's just a guy on the end of a phone. You know, what 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 are you gonna do? What what are you really gonna do to me? And then he finds out. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the thing is, if you were to describe this film to someone, in its most basic form, it sounds incredibly dull. The idea of watching a film about a man talking to somebody else on a phone for an hour is not the most interesting of us, and to be fair, you'd be correct in thinking this. I don't remember exactly what my thoughts were when I first watched this, and I don't remember thinking that it was a particularly special film the first time I saw it either, but... 
when I revisited, I suddenly remember that this is, you know, this is a very special film. It's, it, it's, it's very clever in it. And I think what makes it brilliant, really, are, um, are two, uh, are three elements, rather. Um, the first, for me, is the location. Um, you know, Stu is standing in a glass box in the middle of a metropolitan city. He's surrounded by people. He has a cell phone. And he could run if he wanted to, you know. He's not in a log cabin in the middle of the woods when no one is going to come and help, you know, and the victim yeah. is a lamb to the slaughter. You know, phone booths, if they're not di if they're not dead, they are dying. You know, he could have, you know, he could have walked away. He had every opportunity in the world to do so, um, you know. But but he, but somehow he he was he was kept there, and I think almost I think it was a very clever I think I think a very I think, I think a very clever thing to use to be honest with you i mean i'm unsure and, and again you know we did talk about cell phones at the start sorry on mobile phones at the start of the conversation and phone booths i'm unsure the last time i saw a phone booth in the wild and if you told kids you know that 15 you know if you told kids about about um, you know about phone booths and stuff there were, the, there were these boxes on the road we had to walk to to be able to call someone yeah yeah they'd think you were mad they probably think you were making it up. Well, I've actually, I've actually got a phone box. Uh, two minute, two minutes walk from my front door. Does it work? One of the proper red phone boxes. <laughs> uh, yes, it does work. My God. Because you know, sadly, most of the time that I remember seeing um, phone boxes in recent years, really was, well, they weren't especially nice places to be. Let's be perfectly honest. Um, no, and that's if they even worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I do remember, you know, when, you know, when mobiles were starting to come in, I, I think I asked my mother if I could have a mobile phone. Not that any of my friends had mobiles. God knows why I wanted a mobile, or indeed how, who I was going to call for that matter. But she was like, you know, here's 10p for the phone box, you know, use that yeah. instead why do you need a mobile phone and I'm not sure how much it is to make a phone call these days but it certainly isn't 10p oh uh, I think it's about say I think you have to put 60 or 70p in is it that much Jesus inflation it is yeah yeah and, and it, also... here's, the, here's the thing just a little note on on phone boxes and why they are still on our streets even though they're incredibly rare uh, BT actually have a legal obligation Oh, that's I do remember reading about this years ago. Actually, thinking about it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Carry on with explaining them. They have a they have a legal obligation to keep phone boxes in certain areas. Um, and uh, whether it be a place of historical interest or you know, something like that, they have to keep them operational. They're legally obliged. So if if you don't, they get fined massively. That's interesting. I mean, because I couldn't imagine, you know. AT&T in the States or, um, you know, doing something on those lines. Well, know. I mean, it, the, the phone the phone services in America weren't state-owned. State no, that's true. That's true. Is the, is the difference there? Because BT was once state-owned, that's why they're, they're still on, kind of, part, if you pardon the pun, still on the hook for it. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, th I think I think the main thing that I remember using was the whole, um, you know, uh, did you ever use the ringback service? Uh, I, I think it was called um, 
called collect or something in the states. We we didn't call it that. Uh, reverse charging. Reverse charging. That's it. And you had the wonderful Holly Valance advertising um, how you could use a eight hundred reverse or something. You know, going from being oh. incredibly attractive in neighbours to having a terrible signal to making telephone ad- advertisements about making phone calls. <laughs> poor girl, poor poor girl. Yeah, yeah you well. kind of feel sorry for that, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, someone she, help she... Oliver Lance. Help her. I mean, she's doing all right. She got a pass in prison break. Oh, did she? I've never yeah. seen that. I might watch it just. She's poisoning Ukrainian stripper. Oh really? Yeah. She didn't strip in the show before <sighs> you think that. Sorry, exotic dancer. I was literally dancer. about to go to Google. Exotic dancer. Oh, an exotic dancer. Alright, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's an important distinction for your career choice, kids. Yes, it is. I mean, I, I think the thing is, do you remember any numbers in your head these days? Um, I've got a few numbers still in my head, um, and sadly, a few of them are actually my old phone numbers <laughs> that I just can't can't get rid of. And I still remember uh, my. My mum's old telephone numbers. Yeah. Uh, we're talking landline numbers here, folks, not not mobile numbers. My mum never had a mobile. She wasn't of that generation. I think, yeah, my, my mother only just joined that generation a few years ago herself, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are a few numbers I still keep, keep in my head, just in case of emergency. If I, if I can't access my phone for some reason and I need to, to call someone, say my brother or someone, then I keep those numbers in my head just for those just-in-case moments. I was remember, um, managing to remember my um, my friend Ewan's number um, from an X-Files episode. Right. Um, and the reason I say that is because I, and I'm not going to give away the area codes and I'm not going to give away the last number because I don't want these parents being phoned or anything by weirdos. But there was an episode of the X-Files called 82517 and that was the start of his phone number, and that's how I always remembered it, just to put that extra digit on the end. Um, yeah. And I don't know why, it was just it was just weird. Um, and also, obviously, you know, I think most of us remember our parents, you know, we, we had it imprinted on our brains as kids um, to remember our parents' phone numbers when we were growing up. Did you ever have a pager at all? Yes, I did. I mean, I know that the general consensus was that if you had a page, you were a drug dealer, but I don't ever really remember using mine for anything, let alone um, drug peddling. I had mine for work, so that work would contact me. I don't even remember what you did with them, to be perfectly honest. In my case, it would, it would show up with, a, with a, a phone number saying, call this number. Right. And, you know, as I say, it was for work. Um... I worked in the hospital at the time, so it was so they could contact me if they, if they needed me in to work a shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in all the time I had it, it went off maybe three times, and two of them were probably my mum trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> I mean, I remember buying one and thinking, you know, buying it secondhand because I thought it was cool, and you, you probably, you may have well had the same one. Um, it was the... Uh, it was a BT one that was like plastic and see-through. No, again, I had the Motorola. Oh, did you have the um, the black one with a clip on the side that was a square thing? 
Or it was it was blue ball, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um I mean I, I still remember the first time I see I, I remember seeing a mobile and this was back in the days when you still had aerials um on phones. Oh and you had to have the aerial up and it, it wasn't working cool. otherwise. Um I, I remember really liking it and thinking, you know, th- this is this is kind of cool. I mean, I still remember the first mobile phone I had. You couldn't actually text on. I don't think texting no. was even something you could do. It was literally just the phone. You can make calls on it, and that was it. There were no games or you know anything pre-installed. I. It was just literally just a mobile phone. Yeah, that, and that's all it was ever really designed for, wasn't it? Whereas, I mean, you know. Whereas now, I think you know our our phones have. You know, we've uh, evolved to the stage where it's not just a mobile phone, it's a mobile entertainment centre. It is effectively a PC in your pocket, really, isn't it, for all intents and purposes? Yeah. I mean, we might be reaching the zenith of them now, uh, and I think it's probably in a few years, mobile phones might be even completely dead. It might be a, a bygone technology. Honestly, I'd be okay with that. I, I, I would really just... would. I don't know if you don't know if you've had this, but you've been in the pub with people and they've just spent the entire time on the phone. I freely admit I'm guilty of that. That I do look at my mobile, what it feels like every ten minutes, and it probably pisses the people off that I'm with. I think I think the worst thing I've ever seen, and this, this happened a few years ago on a bus, was two girls sitting at the back of the bus texting each other. <laughs> and. I, and just sat there giggling, checking each other these little jokes. I'm like that going. Just put them down and talk to each other. I mean, what what I think what gets me the most, and I was I seem to remember saying this to um, a friend in the pub the other week actually, um, is what I hate the most about mobiles is that you're almost expected to respond. If you don't answer that phone, an awful lot of the time you'll get a text saying, "Why didn't you answer the phone?" Oh God, who calls people? And then, and then if you don't respond to that text, you get one five minutes later and say, oh, so are you ignoring me now then? It's like, I have a life. Leave me alone. Fuck off. Yeah. And I, I almost, you know, it's it's like Facebook in a way. I would almost, if it were up to me, I would leave Facebook entirely. But I've got too many people that I can only communicate with via Facebook. You know, so it's just another one of those 21st century annoyances that has been almost forced upon us except that we chose to be hot in the first place and unnecessary evil yes yeah and a way that will keep us hooked in um another aspect that i want to talk about um with uh, with the film is the sound and the conversation um between um colin farrell and um keeper sutherland in general in so many films um, that I've seen over the years, although it's getting better now and it's done less. If you have a phone conversation, um, <laughs> generally speaking, the conversations are radioed um, into the film afterwards. You know, and we're then meant to believe that the conversation is taking place. This always bothered me because it seemed like such a simple thing to do. If you've got two people with mobiles, have them call each other and put a microphone near to the phone. It not that a very simple thing to do? But in this case, the conversation is obviously real. You know, the two char- the two actors are obviously talking to each other. Uh, actually, they're not. I, 
Seriously, I would have believed that they were because of their no, reactions. This, it was was ADRD and afterwards um, right. the phone actually did work and there was someone on the other end of the line talking to Colin Farrell as the caller. Feeding him lines or something? Re- reading the script to him. Oh, that kind of ruins it for me a bit, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, Kiefer Sutherland's voice was out of the in-post production. Oh, that's kind of a shame. Because um, the original choice for the caller, you know who the original choice was? I did hear about this years ago, but I can't remember who it was now. Let me just, um. It was Roger Jackson, Ghostface from Scream. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, blimey, that would have been a very different film. But, I mean. I mean, I, uh, I think Kiefer Callan Chandler's is the only ghost voice in this. Ghostface in this. Although he's. The thing is, I think with the you know with the Ghostface character in Scream, he was obviously incredibly threatening. But with with Kiefer in this, he he was threatening, you know, obviously. But he was also he was also quite funny. He was he charming. Was, he yeah, he was he was charming. He you know and and you know especially when um, Colin um, Colin challenged him on something. And he started like, oh, what are you? No, don't stop talking to me. Don't stop talking to me. Ah, oh, you're bringing up my childhood. You're bringing up my mother. And it's like, <laughs> I never had a bad childhood. I had a very good relationship with my mother. And he, he is, he's, he's wonderful in it. And I, I mean, you know, we, we'll get onto the characters in a minute. But I personally have never heard of um, Kiefer Sutherland before I saw this. You That's... never heard of Kiefer Sutherland? No, he was completely off my radar. Come on, um, dude. Have you never seen Young Guns or The Lost Boys or... I had seen Young Boys... <laughs> not Young... Um, young Guns. Young. I'd, see, I'd never seen Young Guns. I'd seen The Lost Boys, but many, many, many years before that. Aren't and... you a fan of 24 as well? No, I wasn't. Oh, right, that, that possibly explains it. Um, Flatliners, I'm sure you've seen Flatliners. I've not, but it's the film I need to see. No, the thing is, right, is with 24, um, is, if I remember rightly, it was always um, a Sky exclusive here in the here in the UK. It um, was, unfortunately. For, for, for those who are listening outside of the UK, uh, we have terrestrial and we have satellite, like most countries in the world, Um it's getting more and more now, but back in the day, if you only if you had Freeview and you didn't want to pay for anything else, you basically got virtually virtually nothing. You know, um, I, I seem to remember, you know, in a very similar vein, um, Lost was shown on um, Channel Four in this country. Uh, it was shown for the first season. Um, Sky suddenly realised, my God, this this program is amazing. We're going to buy it, and suddenly Lost never came on terrestrial TV same, ever again. Same prison break. Uh, Prison Break was originally Channel 5. Yeah, I can believe that, actually, thinking about Channel 5. Because to Channel 5's credit, they get a decent amount of, you know, American TV shows. Um, you know, they get all the NCIS programs. They um, they get they get a lot of those drama, procedural cop dramas. They, they had the, um, the X-Files um, earlier last year. Um, but yet, because my parents didn't have Sky and couldn't see the point of Sky, I never saw 24. I started to try and watch it in college in, I think, 2003, 2004, 
uh, when I was living when I was living in Durham because we happened to have Sky in the college that everybody could you know say oh I want to book this channel for this particular night and I think I might have tried to watch one episode just for this you know just to see what the big deal of this program was and honestly I never I never got into it after that I just I just didn't care yeah because you didn't get the chance I mean I'm tempted to go back now and watch it because I'm sure it's on Amazon Prime um and if it's what? not, you know, I'll probably be able to get the DVDs off Amazon for relatively cheaply. Um, lost it? Or? Uh, 24. Oh, 24. Because, I mean, I've heard it's good. I mean, it's good, but at the same time, it's the same thing over and over. Yeah, I can imagine it you is, know, to be fair. It kind of leads you to ask the question, how much shit can happen to one guy? <laughs> What well, wasn't there? Um, I I don't know. I think there was a T-shirt or something years ago. There was, um, if you woke up this morning and you were alive, you should thank Jack Bauer for it or something. Yeah, I, I I seem to remember. I I that isn't me. I didn't make that up. I I heard it on another podcast. Who didn't make it up either? Um, but um, yeah. Going back to the conversation on the sound for a second, though, I I am still a bit bummed out that that wasn't a real conversation because honestly, if you hadn't told me that, I would have believed they were genuinely talking on the phone um, to each other. But what I thought was good about this, and you know, anyone who's listened to a podcast on of ours before knows, if you take either your, if you take out your right hand um, earphone, you can't hear Mike. If you take out the left hand, you can't hear me. You've got to have both of them in for stereo, and it's the same for this film. If you stop one of the channels of sound suddenly all you hear is either Kiefer Sutherland talking to himself or um, uh, Colin Farrell Colin Farrell, thank you, talking to himself because I seem to remember a friend of um, a friend of my mum's got it on, shall we say, a dodgy DVD that didn't have the correct sound and she oh yeah it was crap, all it was was Colin Farrell talking to himself for an hour and a half <laughs> And you know, and you know, why would she think any difference? Um, and you know, I I do love the fact that it was that sort of an idea because it, it did give you more of the impression of, of of a phone call. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, if in a way, because it was a real phone call, as I say, it was it was a different guy reading out all Keith Keith Sutherland's lines to Colin Farrell. So it was still a genuine phone call. It just wasn't between those two. But everything that Kiefer Sutherland said in the in the movie was actually said to Colin Farrell on the phone. I mean, was there a particular reason why they didn't do it? Was it constraint? Was it time? Was it money? Was was there a particular reason why they didn't use Colin uh, Colin and Kiefer talking there and then? Because you would have thought that you know, surely it would have made life a hell of a lot easier. If they did have them both talking on the phone, you know that seems like a fairly. It, it, it seems it seems like a fairly simple thing to do. Yeah. I don't know if it was. I don't know if maybe Kiefer Sutherland was added to the casting later on, um, or if it was time constraints. I mean, clearly. They I mean, didn't this have... was filmed. It, the entire film was shot. At, the scenes inside the booth were shot in ten days. Yeah. And. Yeah. You, you, you had two days then on top of that to do exterior shots of the, like, the boot surroundings and you know the windows and things like that I mean clearly so it, they, it was an incredibly tight shoot I mean yeah I mean clearly they didn't have Colin Farrell 
standing there talking for an hour and 20 minutes on a phone. Um, you could almost believe that they would, you know, because let's face it, it, it almost seems like the simplest shooting schedule in the world. Yeah. In, in, in a way, doesn't it? Because let's face it, all you've got to do is say, okay, Colin, you're going to stand over there and you're going to have a phone to your ear and you're going to do it for 120 minutes. It's like, you and I have spent often, well, More five that. times that amount just talking on a phone. That doesn't sound like an unrealistic thing to ask someone to do, to be fair. Whether it's a phone, whether, whether it's not, that's not entirely unrealistic. And we haven't had breaks between those phone calls. So, <sighs> you know, it, 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 it almost feels like it could be the simplest shoot in the world. I, I can imagine, it, it sounds like it'd be simple, but, you know, would he? I mean, it, it, was, uh, it wasn't shot in New York, because um, it was too cold at that time of year when they shot. So they actually shot it in LA. Right. Um, but, I mean, can you imagine spending 10 days still in the phone box? I, I, think, it would be get, I think it would get very boring and... Fe- and I suppose, you know, it's... When he can't actually move around, it probably would be very tiring on him, ultimately. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, when I spoke to people um, in the call centres that we worked in, um, I would often get up and walk around whilst I was still talking on the phone. Um, yeah. Just to try and, you know... I don't know, I don't know why I did it, I just did it. To try and, I think it was to try and break it up. I think so, and and also you you so often saw it in films like Wall Street and and and, um, and Boiler Room where they're trying to like you know power play almost by standing up on the phone. I don't know. I, I think that was the reason why they did it anyway. And uh, you know, I, not that I ever thought I was some kind of a broker. Um, you know, I was telling people to we, switch their we were tech off again. Monkeys. We were we were tech monkeys. But you know, I think I think almost walking around did help with with phone conversations. I mean. It's it's a very strange thing, um, and the final point I wanted to cover, and again, it's kind of been ruined now that I found out that it wasn't necessarily filmed the way that I thought it was filmed. Oh, was... sorry. No, 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 it's not your fault. Um, was... It feels like I always ruin your dreams. You've ruined it. You've told me that the Easter Bunny isn't real, and that Santa Claus was kissing Mummy or down at the Christmas tree. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but anyway. No, enough of my childhood memories that I'm going to have to tell my psychologist about tomorrow. So, the interplay between Stu and Keith and um, the caller, Keith Sutherland, I loved it. i, I got to say, I thought it was so brilliant. Um, you know, and the reactions, again, it didn't happen, but the reactions between um, the characters, I thought were just wonderful. I thought they were yeah. so funny at times. I mean, Keith is, is kind of almost delightfully sadistic in this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And his laugh, he's got... I didn't realise how much of an evil laugh he's got. <laughs> it really... It's just a creepy evil laugh. <laughs> and you kind of go, yeah, fair enough. I, If I was on the phone with this guy, I'd be intimidated. Yeah. You know, just, just for his voice alone. And I mean, what what did you think of 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 Colin as a um as as an actor in this 
and in general. I mean, what what had you seen um, Colin Farrell before seeing this? What had you seen um, him in? I'm, I'm just going to have a quick look on his IMDb, because he hadn't been in much. I think he'd been in Ballycus Angel. He was in Ballycus Angel. I never saw that, but yeah, he was. But if we go back... Um, I'd seen Minority Report before this came out. I completely forgot he was in Minority Report, but then again, I blocked that. I blocked that film out of my mind in general because it was so bad. Um, uh, have you seen Intermission? I can't say I have. Let me just. It's very good. I've got to say it's it's a very it, it's not that no, well known. And to be honest with you, Colin Farrell isn't even the main character in Intermission, but it is fantastic, and I would really recommend watching it. I mean, I'm trying to think because I'm trying to think when I first if I saw it when it first came out or if it was a while after. It was probably a while after. I so don't I remember have... it getting a massive release in this country. No, it might. I might have even seen Daredevil before this before I saw this. Yeah. Um. So I certainly knew him before that. I'm just looking at, at his IMDb profile, by the way. And uh, there's a very interesting little entry here. Colin Farrell and Nicole Narain's sex tape. Oh, God. 2005. It's classed as a video short. Right. I didn't realise sex tapes without IMDb credits, but... Oh, and of course he was in um, in Bruges, which I thought was very good. In Bruges is a fantastic movie. I and watched that. that. I, I did, a, did a double header a while back of In Bruges and The Guard. It made me want to go to in Bruges on holiday. Sorry, it made me want to go to Bruges on holiday. Just because it looked so nice. You know what I mean? It, it does look like a charming little town. You know, it, it looks like the sort of place, you know, it, it looks like your typical European town where, you know, just walking around at like half nine, it, ten o'clock at night and having having a nice glass of wine or, or, or an imported lager in, in, a, in a street side cafe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, fucking Bruges. <laughs> um, and of course, he was in SWAT and the remake of Total Recall. Um, oh, I've still that was a terrible movie. I've still not seen the original Total Recall, so I had no reason to watch the remake of Total Recall. Um, I mean, I'm gonna say this in defence of the Total Recall remake. It's stuck closer to the original storyline. Right. But it was all round uh, just a terrible movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I'm a Philip K. Dick fan. I've I've read Philip K. Dick and I've read the original story that, that Total Recall was based on, called "We Can Remember It For You Wholesale." Right. And I've also read. It's now being retitled Blade Runner, but it was uh, Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, and I've read a few other of his books, and they are yeah. amazingly. What's that? Uh, sorry, I've heard of um, Do Androids uh, Sleep of, uh, Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah. yeah, it was made into Blade Runner. Um, and they are fantastically detailed books. Mm. And the, book, the bu- books are very immersive. And while, again, this is stuck to the, closer to the original material, it was, it was all around terrible. And it, it, um, another film that he was in that I do remember seeing, and I can't, I can't remember how I came across it, um, was a film called The Recruit, 
which was nothing special, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I mean, with, um, with Al Pacino putting Al Pacino. Al Pacino. You can't help but feel that Al Pacino only did it so we could have a bigger like pool or something. Like, yeah. I'll do it, but I better get a lot of money for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, one film he was in. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, I I personally enjoyed it quite a lot when I saw it. The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. I've not. I thought you were going to say two for the money, but no, I've not seen that. No. Oh, uh, the, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. It's, it's a wonderful little film. And Seven Psychopaths. Seven Psychopaths on, is brilliant. I've got to say. I keep on forgetting all that movie, but it's such a fantastic little film. And also, um, The Lobster. He was very. In fact, we we did a special of it. Me, Derek, and Cameron did a special um, about the lobster for for um, Valentine's Day. And That's that is one a I've not wonderful. Seen. Honestly, it's brilliant. It's 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 dark and it's strange, and it's just weird. But it's fantastic. It's really good. Um, it, I, I I really would recommend seeing it. It sounds. In- I'm just reading the the IMDb synopsis now. And it does sound interesting. I've, I have to say, it it sound it does sound, like, and what a cast as well. Oh, it's, it's all voice. Yeah. Oh well, th- this is one I'm, I'm actually gonna make a note of this and watch this after. And it's wonderfully British. You can only say that it's it's only allowed by law to say that if Bill Nighy is in the cast. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that. He um he is he is kind of needed. Um, he he is he is very much a British institution. Um, that's that's uh, no getting away from that. Well, well, side note here, he started he started a career in Liverpool, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Starts at the uh, the Everyman. Oh, that is um that is interesting to know. That's that's very strange. Um, okay, so should we talk about Kiefer for a little bit? Uh, have have a look at his backstory and see what he's done. Because, um, like I said, I really knew very little about him before I saw this. Uh, I'd never seen 24. I'm sure I'd seen him in the episode of The Simpsons when he was in it, but then again... Actually, I probably hadn't, because it's the latest series of episodes of Simpsons. And, well, it's crap, let's just be honest. Um, Sorry, carry on. Let's see. He was born in London. Yes. Um, I mean, one thing I did, um, I did actually forget about this, but I do, I did know about this ultimately as well, was that he was in um, the one of the most recent um, Metal Gear Solid games, um, and he wasn't technically portraying um, the role of Solid Snake. So um, it wasn't such a big deal, but an awful lot of people were annoyed um, that the person who played um, Solid Snake wasn't going to be in it. Um, I'm trying to find who played him, but there were an awful lot of people who were upset about that. Let's have a look. Uh, Solid Snake. If it was David didn't... something. Dave, David Hater. That was it. I'm sure it was David well, Hater. Da- yeah, because he was he was the classic voice of Solid Snake. Um, but 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but Soul Snake wasn't in this game, was he? Uh, he wasn't. That was the argument. They were basically saying, you know, well, technically he wasn't Snake. Um, he he was he was Big he Boss. He was Big Boss, um, and he also but played Venom Snake. Kind of was in Ground Zeroes, and that's why an awful lot of people who were massive um, fans of the Metal Gear Solid series were very angry. They were also quite angry about the whole sexism angle, but you know, well, yeah. It's a Japanese game. <laughs> by You're always going to have some form of sexism in there. By no, one of the it. most ludicrous men in the whole entirety of video games. Honestly, if you want to read about someone who's a little bit mad, read up about Hideo Kojimi. The guy is just nuts. Like, legitimately strange in terms of what he, what he says and what he does and how he carries out his life. Um... <laughs> What else has uh, is it? He's had a hell of a career, actually. Keep us up and looking at this. Oh, um, he has. I mean, you know, it's sort of an acting legend. Let's face it. Um, I did see, as I say, Lost Boys, but I've not seen it for a very long time. I didn't realise he was in Stand By Me, but then again, I'm assuming he was a kid in Stand By Me. No, he was. He was. Oh, was uh, he adults. I mean, Stand By Me was a year before the Lost Boys. Right. So, I'm not even sure what Young Guns was about. I'm young Guns was 88. Uh, a group of young gunmen led by Billy Kid became the deputies to avenge the murder of a ranch who was their benefactor. Hmm. Basically, it's Brad Pack the movie. Oh, God, it's got Charlie Sheen looking very young in it. Yeah. As I say, God, if, he really doesn't be... like Martin Sheen when he was younger as well. <laughs> that is so weird. Oh, and only the rest of us. Oh, Christ. Yeah. I'm always tempted to watch this. It, it is a proper Brad Pack movie. <laughs> I'm going to give uh, that a go. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that this afternoon. Go on. I mean, there's it, it, two films, so Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Definitely worth a watch, if only for a bit of a nostalgia trip. Yeah. Um. <laughs> To when some of these actors had talent. And um, I'm sure I found someone else who was in Young Guns as well, I recognise. Uh, well, Jack he... Palance was in it. Uh, no, I was thinking of um, Dermot so Mul- Mulroney. Um, oh, God, yeah. He was in Friends, which is probably where I know him from. And I could have sworn he was in Gilmore Girls, but I could be getting confused. Oh no, New Girl, that's why I know him. That's it. It was uh, in, Yeah, he was in, what, what was that? Uh, I hope that wasn't you giving me shit about watching New Girl. It was, no, wasn't I... it? It was, wasn't it? You were giving me shit about watching New Girl, weren't you? No, I I wasn't giving you shit about watching <laughs> New Girl. Because um, I've you, not seen enough of it to really be bothered. <laughs> in fa- I, I am fair Zoe Deschanel is, is a very cute little actress and you know adorable eyes <laughs> but, she um, is yes that's true I mean um, I'll, I'll give it I'll give it this much I really enjoyed her in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I never saw that I never got around to seeing Hitchhiker's and I've been told I should but you know you should because Sam Rockwell is brilliant in it I mean, Sam Rockwell's brilliant in anything he's in. But True, he was brilliant. Well, he was the best. I mean, I know that there are only two people in Moon, so it was very difficult for him to not be the best thing in that film. But well, he's, he's the two people. 
Yeah, he was brilliant tonight. He was, well, well, no, and Kevin Smith. Sorry, Kevin uh, Spacey, rather. Yeah. I forgot what I was saying. I mean, granted he was a robot, but, you know, he was a... Um, so, yeah, let's talk about... Um, let's talk about Mr. Whitaker for a minute, because I seem to remember... I, I don't know why, but people seem to give Forrest Whitaker a, a, a quite a bit of shit, and I don't really understand why. I think he's a great actor. I think he's perfectly good. Um, I mean... Um, I do seem to remember watching um, The Last King of Scotland, which he was good in. And I seem to remember he was in... Oh, no, it wasn't him. Sorry. I'm, um, I thought he was in um, Hotel Rwanda, but that was... Um, that was uh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, thank you. Um, not to suggest that... Well, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't in it. Yeah, let's get, let's get off that path. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Uh, what else has he done then that I've seen? Um... Did they remake Zulu in 2013? Uh, let's see. They remade Roots. Oh, please uh, tell me that's not a remake of the original. I mean, I'm not a massive Zulu. fan of Zulu, but... Oh, they have as well. No, it's not a remake. Or is it different? It's a different film. Oh, and no booms, in it. Oh, that's okay, then. Because... Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they didn't use the classic lines from the original one. Don't you throw that dirty spear at me. Um, from the original, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm glad they didn't actually remake it because you know I've not seen it for a long time. It's one of those films that I think just leave it alone. Um, I mean, he's been in some very good films. Have you seen Repo Men? Uh, I can't say I have. No, um, he's very good in that. Jude Law's in it as well. I like Jude Law. I think he's all right. Um, he is. He's uh, he's not as annoying as he used to be. <laughs> I would have caught, um I forgot as well, um Forrest Whitaker was in another film that they're gonna we are gonna cover, um Panic Room. Oh, what a movie. What a um, what an intense movie. And and he actually wasn't a bad bloke in that from what I remember. Oh apart, god apart from being the villain. And he, he was wasn't in a bad bloke. species as well. With one of the stupidest lines of any film ever. I don't know if you do you remember much about species? I, I remember Species, but I don't remember the line. You'll have he, to remind um, me. He played, a, he played a psychic, right? He could walk into a room and he could work anything out. He was a psychic. And he goes into this room and there's a load of blood. And he stands there with his fingers on his temples. And he turns around and says, Something terrible happened here. No shit, Sherlock, there's blood on the floor. What <laughs> fucking psychic are you? You're terrible. But, yeah... <laughs> Well done, you have eyes. <laughs> we didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that up. <laughs> you amazing clairvoyance. You know, oh, Jesus. <laughs> he, he, he was also in the official worst movie ever made. Ooh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's... Battlefield Earth. <laughs> was that the one with people, like, with, who, were, like, had ten-foot legs and walked around talking weird, like, bartender, and all that crap? It's it's basically John John Travolta um, decided to make a film out of a book by the guy who founded Scientology, right. which kind of tells you really I think all you need to know. I I don't um, think I've seen it, but one thing I do remember is from another podcast someone was saying that like they they wore wellies because if they wore shoes, it'd be really difficult to tie them up. 
I don't know. Um, <laughs> but very, yeah. It, it, it was basically the film that destroyed John Travolta's career after Tarantino would kind of well, rescue it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, not not to not to get off onto John Travolta too much, but I don't mind the guy, you know. I don't, I don't mind the guy, he's just nutty as shit. I know it was terrible, but I actually liked him in Broken Arrow. Oh, Broken Arrow's a great movie. <laughs> just... Don't try and make a film out of one of the worst books ever written. Was that a book? It was a book by L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, God. Someone actually, as in the bloke who does Scientology? The bloke who found the Scientology, yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. That's why he made it. Because it was by L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that would be like as a book. I mean... I mean, oh, I don't know if it's, I've, I've never read it because I'm not a fan. No. I, uh, but I can imagine it's going to be pretty terrible. Yeah, and, and of course we've got Face Off. Oh, Face Off is stupid. It's, it's a stupid movie, but it's great. How That's is it. it that swapping someone's face makes you six inches taller and people don't realise? Well, this, What's that I mean, about? And, and and why was it okay for him to have a semi-incestuous relationship and no one thought that was a problem? He walked into the room to his daughter for all intents and purposes as his dad and said, Ho-ho, you're pretty sexy, let us see those breasts! And obviously yeah. he didn't say that. And nobody seemed to think this was a problem. I mean, in fairness, in fairness, if you if you've read anything about John Travolta's room, this is probably <laughs> quite normal behaviour for him. I mean, I just remember that at the end of it, where you see the where you see the boat blow up, and everybody in the audience just collect, you know, like just kill him, damn it, so we can get over so we all go home. And then he put his arm back and was like, for fuck's sake. <sighs> but anyway, we're not. Here's talk about John Woo films. Because uh, here's, the, here's the question. You know, he... Doves! Basically, one Doves! of them was blown up at the end. Actually, properly exploded, blown up. Mm. How did he get his face back? Um, he took his face off. But he was I blown don't know. up. It was terrible. It's been a he long time. blown up. And if from what I remember, they also don't swap the voice boxes. Yeah. So... Why and and also you know this ridiculous chin it was just yeah but anyway so let's move away from 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 John Travolta because um, we could yeah. we could easily get onto Nicolas Cage through that oh god let's not go there um, <laughs> okay so do you have much more to say about Forrest Whitaker or should we talk about um, Radha Mitchell for a minute who so is someone I I've personally never heard of. Uh, well, I mean she's she's quite successful she was in. Home and Away. Oh, she was in Pitch Black. She oh, was in Pitch Black. I mean, what what did you think of her of her character in this? I mean, because to to be fair, she didn't. You know, we've not really spoken at all, really. About she didn't really have much to do in this. Not, not really. You almost think that if her and Katie Holmes weren't in it at all, would it have necessarily mattered. You know, if we'd never seen them. Would it have, have got rid of those characters altogether, mm. and it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the movie. No, 
I mean, she she had a very small part in it. No one really cared about her. Um, although, although, actually, no. That being said, actually, sorry, just remembering something. With that being said, um, he the caller said, you know, I, but I'm fairly certainly said, I've got Kelly hostage. If you don't do what I tell you um, to do, I'm gonna kill her. And he sees her in the crowd and says, I know you've not got it. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, you figured me out. And then he said, and he goes, hang on, she's in the crowd. And he said, you lied to me. That's a violation. So I suppose, technically speaking, if that if she hadn't been there at all, then it probably wouldn't have worked as well. You know, I mean, you, you, could, you could have also replaced that with generic character number three. This is very true. You, you probably um, uh, It would have had probably just as much tension about it. Yeah. You know, you can you can put his assistance in that position. This is very true. It doesn't need to be anyone but you know, they, they probably could have saved a bit of money from it. I mean although that being said, looking at this person's IMDB, um, what she'd been in, I'm sure I've seen the crazies. That wasn't a particularly good film. Um Silent Hill. Never seen that. And I enjoyed the game, but I never saw it. Oh, yeah, the only reason I watched The Craziest was because Timothy Oliphant was in it. I kind of liked Timothy Oliphant. Um, Timothy Oliphant's a pretty awesome, pretty awesome actor. He is, I'm oh, sorry, it wasn't Home and Away she was in, it was Neighbours. Well, it's basically the same the other Australian actresses. Um... Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I, I do, I, I do like um, Timmy Fulman as an actor. I think he's, I think he's genuinely good. Uh, what else has she done? Uh, Phone booth, obviously, we've already spoken about that. Finding Neverland, never watched it, but heard it was okay. I hated everything to hate about Pitch Black and didn't see anything worth um, talking about. Um, Thickest Thieves, she was in. Have you seen Thickest Thieves? I don't think I have, you know. Is it someone, something I should check out? It's, it's, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. It's, it's quite an entertaining little film. Morgan Freeman, Antonio Banderas, really. Antonio Banderas, eh? Um, yeah. Maybe I'll give it a go for him, because actually, um, you know, he was, he's kind of, he's not a terrible actor, actually. Um, he's, yeah, he's not. I, um, I, I think he, he was in, um, he was actually the, probably the one of the best things about Expendables 3. <laughs> and yes, folks, I, I, that is an admission I have seen Expendables 3. I actually paid to go and see it. In a, I didn't pay much, but I paid to go and see it in the cinema. Oh, God, I've just... Um, I've just Googled this person through Neighbours just to try and remember who she was. And I suddenly remember exactly who she is now. Um... Yeah, it's suddenly come back to me. Um, oh, she was in Surrogates as well. Oh, with, that, with, uh, with Bruce Willis? Yeah. I don't think I ever saw that. It was uh, an interesting film, but... It kind of... I th- it, it kind of had the feeling of... Generic sci-fi action flick number seven. I'm going to send you a link on, on, uh, on Skype, Mike. Um, and it's um, a website called perfectblend.net and it Perfect, seems, okay. And it seems to be like a massive tribute to Neighbours oh this is just brilliant I'm sorry I'm going to have to skirt this over to you I think I'm going to I am looking at this later on when we finish because 
I can guarantee there's going to be some gold to be seen on that website. Oh, I'm, I'm just getting it off now. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> Spoilers. Find out what's to come in 2017. I might go on to that just to wind my mother up. Actors and crew. Dearie me. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a cat, there's an actress, uh, it's just got Abigail as her name, <laughs> and that's not the character name, that's her actual name, <laughs> but the, she must have a better name than that, because the character's got more of a name. <laughs> but let's not go on to neighbours, because otherwise we could be here all day talking about neighbours. In fact, let's do, an, I know it's not a film, let's do an episode about neighbours one day. Oh, uh, must we? We must. I think we must because then we get to talk about Bouncer's dreams. Oh, can can that really? I mean, can it really be? We have to do a separate episode, I think. Oh yeah, we'll, I don't we'll, think we could do it as a Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon cinema. We'll, we'll we'll try and get Derek involved. I'll see if he wants to do it and do an episode about um, neighbours because I part of me thinks that he'd be interested in that. I will uh, <laughs> I will I will mention it to him. Um. And so the last character, really, of any real relevance in this, and we're actually getting a lot more of the characters than I thought we were going to, is the lovely, the delectable, Katie Holmes. Just a little note here. Um, Katie Holmes, now this is 2002, this one was made. So this was BTC before Tom Cruise. Yes, before she went insane. Um, she actually makes a comment that she's appearing in Jerry Maguire, which of course stars Tom Cruise. Of course, yes. Um, and yeah, what? When was? Th- so yeah, this was actually the same time as Dawson's Creek. Yeah, but I two, two years before she got together with Tom with Tom Cruise. But I hadn't seen this when I was watching Dawson's Creek at the time. Although, from what I remember, again, this is one of those annoying things where Dawson's Creek moved... Not to get onto Dawson's Creek too much, but Dawson's Creek moved over to Channel 5, and because of the place I was living in in this country, I couldn't get Channel 5, and therefore I couldn't watch it, and I had to wait until the DVD came out. But what else has she done that's actually worth watching? Oh, God, she was in First Daughter. I forgot about that piece of shite. Honestly, that was terrible. That was really bad. I said, oh, God, I'm going to have to look at this now. I, I can't remember why the hell I watched this. She was in Ghost. That, that's a good little movie. Oh, that was all right, that. So, mainly because of the tagline of the film. Do you remember what it was? Uh, I don't look. Just... Life begins at 3 a.m.? No, unless I'm thinking of a different film here, but I seem to remember it was... Um, a weekend wasted is never a wasted weekend. I think that's a different film with uh, Timmy Timothy Olyphant. What was that then? Um, I'm just going to get a separate page up now. Because I've seen the film you're on. Yes, yeah. Um, I've got to Google that now because otherwise that's... Honestly, I, I had it every... In, in my conviction that that was correct... If I'm thinking, it's I'm thinking it's a different movie, bro. I can't be certain. Oh no, it is go. Yeah, 
it just wasn't the tagline. Oh, it is. It, yeah, it just wasn't the tagline the way that I thought it was, or maybe it was, but in like different, different variations. I think it probably depended on the DVD cover you had. Yeah. Oh, um, teaching Mrs. Tingle. What a, what a film oh, that was. What a piece of shit that was. I seem to remember that was. Um, Helen Mirren. Um, well, it was one of those that was like capturing um, the 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 rise of um, teen holly, teen horror films all over again with with the likes of Scream and things like that. Um, I think yeah. as well, he tried to capture a bit of a bit of Hitchcock nostalgia. Oh please, that. don't even try to give that film some kind of credit like that. That that that's that's like saying I, that Tom Green invented YouTube. I really enjoyed that's it. Giving him way too much. To, uh, I really enjoyed. I thought it was a great film. I don't know. Um, I might go back Thank to you it. for smoking. She was, and she was very good at thank you for smoking. It's got to be said. I I think thank you for smoking. If you haven't seen it, folks, go out and watch it. It's a great film. And she was um, in the god awful, um, uh, the gift that me and Mike were talking about the other week. To which I said the only reason to have watched that film was because you got to see her breasts. Um, I've still not seen that. You don't need to see it. There is no good reason to watch it. I probably it. do need to see Casey Holmes's breast though. Dude, you got Google. Just Google it. Um, <laughs> uh, what else was she in? Of, of course, she was in um, the Batman trilogy, wasn't she? Or at least one of the Batman well, films. She was in the first Batman, and then she got replaced. Um... Ah oh, yes, there she is. Yeah, God, was that in two thousand five? Yeah. Gee, that feel. Is it me or does it feel a lot more modern than that? It does feel. I think it's because the last in the series only came out in kind of this decade. Yeah. What about four years ago? Three years ago? Something like that. Um. Oh, so I'll tell you now. I think it was two thousand twelve. Am I, am I just getting to that point where I'm getting so old that I'm forgetting when things come out? Dark Knight Rises 2012. I think it's I think it's partly denial. You, yeah, it possibly is. Because I, I always do that with phones where I go, no, it's not that old. <laughs> I mean, oh, Dark, Knight was, Dark Knight was 2008. Jesus. That was actually good, I've got to say. I, I bought it the was. I, I bought the entire trilogy based on that film. I mean, the third one sucked, but the rest of them were good. And um, can I, just on, on a dark noted tangent, ah! yeah. Can I just say that I'm really looking forward to seeing the Dark Tower. I've seen that. I've seen. Um, I've. Uh, sorry, I just looked on First Daughter again. I shall. <laughs> that was terrible. It really was. Directed by Do you think that's how she got the part? Do you think you that's know. what happened there? Do, do, do you reckon like she was desperate for work and, and, and Forrest Whitaker said, Well you were really good in that film phone booth where you're on screen for like ten minutes, come and be in my shite film. Do you reckon that's what happened? Possibly, you never know. <laughs> I mean, she's really not being on much of note. It, no. It has to be said. She hasn't. She, the singing detective, which I've never seen. Well, um, this, is the, this is the thing, right? Going off on a bit of a tangent here for a second, but this is the thing, right? There was recently um, an interview with James Van Der Beek when the interviewer turned around and said, "Oh, you've not much done with you've not done much with your life since you left Dawson's Creek, have you?" And it's like, 
I've, I've been, been acting solely for 25 years. I've been in TV programs. I've been on the West End. And not many of the other Dawson's Creek members have exactly gone on to do much. So I don't really know what that interview got off saying that. Um, right, let's get rid of First Daughter because I really don't care about that. Um, Dark Tower. Um, let's look at that because I'm sure I saw the trailer and it did look interesting. I think you, you probably saw it on my Facebook page because uh, I posted a link. Um, let's see what's it about uh, yeah that sounds relatively interesting you know it's you know I do like I do like um, Matthew McConaughey I've heard a lot of good about Idris Elba I don't really know much about him but you know I've heard a lot about I mean, him basically it's it's a, it's an action fantasy western right um, is, the, is the best way to describe it um, okay. Stephen King started right. He wrote the first book as a tribute to a poem <laughs> called a uh, child Roland, child Roland uh, walk to the dark tower. Right. Hang on. I'll, I'll actually get the name. I know that's wrong. The name, the last poem was wrong, but just want to find out. Uh, Child Rolling to the Dark Tower Came was the poem by Robert Browning and he wrote the first book based on that um, and has since written eight eight books in the series with a couple of other I mean there are references to it throughout Stephen King's kind of multiverse if you will I might give it a go um, I'll probably, I probably will watch it um, actually, you know, it's, it seems interesting, put it that way. I mean, he wrote this to be his Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, now I've never read Lord of the Rings, but I can tell you this much. There's a shitload less walking. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I gotta say, I, I, you know, not, not to get down on, um... Uh, not to get down on Lord of the Rings too much. It's just never a film I've especially been interested in. I've got to say, um, it's it's never really been anything that's especially captured my eye. Um, I, I mean, I've seen the trilogy and once I've I've watched the original trilogy. Didn't bother with the extended cuts or the extended director's cuts or the extended 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 director's cuts because. <laughs> it's just more walking. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that they're perfectly good films, but I no, I, I saw no, I saw the first one. I remember, and I just thought I um there is nothing inside you that makes me think this is a series that I need to see. Um, I'm sure they're very good. I'm 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 sure they are very good films. In the same way that I'm sure that Citizen Kane is a good way, it is a good film. In the same way that I'm quite certain that 2001 is a very good film. But honestly, I just found 2001 incredibly but dull. I mean, I've said this before on on the podcast, and I think I most said this to the other week, Mike. Is I think there's certain films that you need to have a certain amount of life experience to really fully enjoy, and I think 2001 is one of them. But uh, yeah, I can't see it ever going back to that. Um, okay, do we have much more to say about Phone Booth then? Because, you know, 
I mean, personally, um, I, I don't mind the fact that we've gone off, because we seem to, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, we do seem to go off topic on a regular basis, but I, I, I like that. I like that we do go off on tangents. In this film's defence, it was directed by Joel Schumacher, and it wasn't as terrible as his Batman films. I, you see, I don't remember much about the Batman films. I don't remember them being especially bad. And but... also in this movie's defence... Mm. Um, and, it, and to Michael Bay's credit, Michael Bay turned down the chances to direct this. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I think it's always interesting, though, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but if I don't say this, I'll forget about it. I think it's always interesting to see directors doing things that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to do. Um, I mean, the most recent example of that for me um, is the French, um, I think it's French anyway, film um, L, um, directed by Paul Verhoeven. And it was like, okay, so the bloke who made Starship Troopers, Robocop, and also, I think, Blade Runner, didn't he? Did he do Blade Runner? No, that was that was um, Ridley Scott. Oh, that's right. So which one did he make? Ridley Scott. He's no, done, uh, um... no, sorry. What was the other big... Um, so did he do Total Recall, Paul Verhoeven? Total Recall. He did, didn't Starship he? Troopers, Robocop, Basic Instinct. And the wonderful Striptease. So no, not Striptease, Showgirls. Showgirls, that was it. I get the two mixed up because they're so... Yeah. It's it's basically the same film. <laughs> but but yeah. he, also, he also did Black Book, which I've heard is a, one, is a wonderful film to watch. So which one's better to watch then? Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a film to watch this afternoon. Which should I watch? Striptease or Showgirls? Neither. Really? Come yeah. on. Okay, you. I've got to watch one of them. Which one do I watch? Go on, Showgirls. If only because it's got the girls to see by the bell. Okay, I'll, I'll give Showgirls a girl this afternoon in that case. Um, but yes, back to my point. When I heard that Paul Verhoeven was making this film, you know, about such. A delicate subject, which is just like you cannot get this wrong. I was genuinely amazed at how well it was put together. So you know, well done, well done, Paul Verhoeven. Good on you, man. Um, and I mean, I, I saw an interview with him um, about L and basically saying, you know, what what was your intention behind this film? He says my intention was to make people think. And it's like fair play, job done. Yeah, good on you, man. And if you've seen L. You'll know he certainly. You'll certainly achieve that. It's um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my list to watch. I mean, uh, it's not nice at all. It's horrible. I mean, um, I'm I'm reading the the synopsis on it now. Um, I don't think it's it's a subject. I'm not gonna talk about it about it in here because it it may be a movie we want to uh to review at a later point. I mean, I, I have spoken with um, with Derek about it on the other podcast. Um, I had one very strong opinion on it that Derek disagreed with me about, and I think you know we'll we'll talk about that off the air, Mike. Because um, if if we'll, no, you watch it. Tell me when you've watched it, and then I'll tell you what I thought. Because Derek thought I was wrong, but he could see where I was coming from. Right. Well, I'm just adding it to my list now. Um, so I'm gonna add the lobster. Yes. Because you said. Because you, you already said that it was a good film. Um, and I'm adding L on the end of it as well. So I'll probably I'll probably end up watching that one this afternoon. One of them. 
<laughs> I, I would say watch Lobster. I would say watch the Lobster personally. That's a, it's a bit it's a bit strange, but that's much more suited to a nice Sunday afternoon film. If we're, if we're going to do strange, and at some point we have to talk about the Beaver. I've never even heard of that. So you, bring it on. Never. Nobody's ever heard of it. It was. It was. It never got a massive release in this film. Right. Directed by Jodie Foster. Okay. With uh, with Mel Gibson in the lead. And um, it, it, it's a film that it actually deals with mental health. Oh, okay. So, right. So, it, it, it's going it's, to... Again, it's a short film. It's not, mass, it's not massively long. It's less than an hour and a half, I think. Um, in fact, let me just check the running time. I'm looking at this now. This sounds really interesting, actually. And it's got a good cast in it. It's got an amazing cast. Sorry, when, when, you, when, when you said the Beaver, all I was all I could think of was that Leave It to Beaver program. No, that, yeah. I mean I mentioned this you know a while back on Facebook and you start you started making naked gun references. <laughs> <laughs> but how can I not? That is a great line. Nice Beaver. Thanks. Thanks. Head, I just just stopped. <laughs> but yeah, we need to um, talk about that film. I, th- I think it's a great little film and it, deal- it deals with mental health in Ooh. in such a sensitive way. And um, um, Anton Yelchin is in it. Anton Yelchin is in it and the wonderful Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, well... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, what's she been? Um, let me try. Oh, she was in those Hunger Games films, wasn't she? Yes, unfortunately. But she's been in some good films as well. She was good in Silver Linings Playbook. She was amazing in Silver Linings Playbook. I genuinely enjoyed that movie. And um, she, she was also very good in uh, American Hustle. And Joy, she was very good in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I've never seen... I mean, I've just said she's also been in some good movies, referencing The Hunger Games. She's never had a bad performance, I don't think. She's never given a bad performance. To be fair, I think the problem with the Hunger Games films is that you and I are so, you know, I think because we loved um, Battle Royale so much, and because the Hunger Games were so close to Battle Royale, I don't care what anybody says, it it is effectively ripping off Battle Royale. If in in fairness, seen... Battle Royale ripped off Stephen King, so... Um, I, I don't know what film you're referring to there, but it's not a film. It's a book. It's never been made into a film. It's called oh, The really? Long Walk. Oh, uh, I know. I have heard of that, but I've not seen it. If... Although, have you um, have you seen the trailer for a film called The Belko Experiments? I haven't, but it sounds bleak. It's basically battle royale in an office block, effectively. Um, sorry, sorry, I saw an advert for it a couple of weeks ago, which sorry, I'm probably going to go and see that. At some Wasn't stage. Dread Battle Royale in, office, in a oh, that was a high rise. Sorry, sorry, Dread was basically Battle Royale in a high rise. Um, I don't think I've seen Dread. Oh, dude, you've got to. Was that anything to do with Judge Dread? That was yeah. exactly Judge Dread. I, see, I didn't think much of the original, so I had no intention to go and see the remake or remake. Ignore, or ignore the shitty it. Sylvester Stallone <laughs> film. Happily. Because let's face it, Demolition Man was a far better movie. 
Um, I've never Demolition seen Demolition Man, Man either. Demolition Man was the film dreadfully been. So ignore the ignore the Sylvester Stallone one. Yeah. Because that's very cartoonish. I mean, like I say, I mean maybe I should give the Hunger Games a go. You know, they've they've done bloody well. There must be something good about them. Um, to be fair. Yes, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, you know, and and Jennifer Lawrence is perfectly good. She was, as I say, she was very good in in Joy. I've heard she was good in Passengers, although I didn't think that much of. Pa- uh, no, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a different film actually. Yeah, she was in Passengers. Yeah, no, but it was um a different film. I was thinking of that she was in. What was the one with the aliens that came in the ships that they walked on the roof effectively? Arrival. That was it. Oh um, right, okay. Yeah, um, and I'm sure um, I've seen like crazy. That Jennifer Lawrence is in. She's she's also naked in the X Men films. <sighs> really, you you've you've got to bring it down to that level. Jennifer Lawrence naked is always a worthy discussion. Was she actually naked though? Or what? She was actually naked, but she caught in blue paints. Like the yeah. Interesting. Um, yes, yeah, she was in like I have seen like crazy, and again Anton Yelchin was in that. God, that guy got around. He he was a great actor. Uh, sadly missed. I mean, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> honestly, Green Room was the first thing I'd ever seen him in, and now I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I've probably seen him in a lot of other things, and I never even realised it. Yes, I mean, he was he got around, and the reason I was sad to see. To hear he died, was he was actually in a film called uh, Odd Thomas. Right, uh, Odd Thomas. I'm just looking for that now on his IMDb list. Uh, t- t- carry on though. T- talk about one. And um, based on a series of books, and I'd have loved to have seen him carry on that that series as a movie series. But I can't see anyone else in the role. Well, that sounds relatively interesting. I, I mean, it's, it's a funny little film. It's, you know, um, dark in places, but... It's got Willem Dafoe in it. <laughs> yes. And he's, he's a good guy. <laughs> Which, Willem uh, Dafoe's one of those weird... He's, he's one of those people that I don't think he can ever be nice. It's like... Um, uh, it's it's like Michael Madsen. Or, yeah, or Christopher Walken. I mean... Michael Madsen may have been the best stepdad in the world in Free Willy, but no, I wouldn't let him near it. I wouldn't let him in. Mr. Blonde. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, I forgot that. Yeah, that's how I know William Dafoe was in Antichrist. Um, oh, William Dafoe's been in been in plenty. He was in He was in the Last Temptation of Christ. I forgot he was in Paris Chatem. He was actually very good in that. I mean, that's a very good film in general, to be fair. He's um, also in uh, John Wick. Never seen and, that. And Nymphomaniac Volume Two. I what I I think I watched. I think I got halfway through Nymphomaniac One and just thought this is this is just not very Shit. good. <laughs> and I, I felt no reason to go and watch the sequel because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I it was it was it was very self indulgent. Who made who made Lymphomaniac? Uh, Lars von Trier. I thought it was Lars. I thought that was a Lars production. I mean, you know, with, with Lars, you take what he says with a pinch of salt at the best of times. Anyway, um, 
you know. I mean, I, to be honest, I boycotted those movies anyway, if only because he had shitty beef in them. Sorry? Oh, sorry, Shia LaBeouf. Oh. <laughs> I, I always Tell Shia LaBeouf. Shitty beef. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, come on, Shia LaBeouf must have been in, in something half decent. How do, how do you spell his name? I'm going to try to find something that he's been good in. Uh, Shia. Go look at that search. Ah, oh, yeah. oh, there he is. Ah, I got it quite easily, actually. It's got an A in it. Oh, we were in the Transformers films. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, what else has been in? Um. I heard Fury was okay. I mean, I never watched it. Fury was okay, but apparently he pissed everyone off. Oh, and he, it was one of the few okay things about American Honey. I mean, that wasn't a particularly good film, but he was okay. never seen it. I don't go out of your way to see it. I I honestly I'm, don't. I'm not going to. I, I I think the guy is is one of the most overrated actors. He was actually no, ever the thing lived. Is, he was actually very good in it. It just wasn't an especially good film, and I don't know why it got um it got the amount of praise it did. Hang on, did they make? He was in iRobot. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, he was also in another terrible film. Oh, they made New York. I love you. Why? You j- oh, again, they just. He was in another terrible film, uh, Constantine. Um. Yeah, that wasn't especially good from what I remember. And uh, he was also the worst thing about Indiana Jones and King of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Wasn't that just bad in general? It was oh, bad God. in general, but... Anton Yelchin was in New York, I Love You! Was he? This guy just keeps on coming up! Christ! Did this man ever stop working? Honest to God. I mean, we he ne- starts acting at an incredibly early age. We need to do just a special on Anton Yelchin. I think, I think we probably do, because... You know, um, I tell you, if we ever do any kind of a Hall of Fame type thing, he's going to be in it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it start his earliest credit was two thousand. He was in ER. Um, I don't remember him in ER. I enjoyed ER, but I don't remember him. I don't remember. He's seeing in one it. episode. Oh, that's probably why then. So you um, know, I say it's just a credit, but he was in. He got his first phone credit the same year. As he are. Right. And then, really quickly, um, he's got Along Came a Spider with Morgan Freeman. I've heard good things about that. A Heart in Atlantis with Anthony Hopkins. Um, let's see. Curb Your Enthusiasm, he was in. Yeah. Which, apparently, everyone loved. I've not seen much of it. Um, I watched it simply because of Seinfeld, and I never especially thought it was very good, I've got to say. Um, Star Trek, Terminator Salvation, The Beaver, <laughs> The Smurfs. Terminator Salvation, what a pile of wank that was. Yeah, well. Honestly, uh, that, 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 was, that was one of the first films, that was one of the few films, I actually stood up at the end and said, is that it, are you taking the piss? <laughs> Everybody else in the cinema didn't like that. Um, yeah. Add, add to your list of films to watch Parish Attempt because it is very good. Parish Attempt, okay. Yeah. 
Um, this is a very interesting film about multiple different stories all in one go. But it's actually very well made. Well, I think we've come to the end, really, haven't we? Because we've not talked about Phone Booth for about 20 minutes now. Oh, go on. Yeah, we've got off on the uh, have, have, have we got anything else to say about Phone Booth before we finish for the day? Um... Very effective little film. Um, mm. It keeps everything to not even one room. It's not a one room mystery. It's a one phone box mystery. <laughs> um, I think the only other real set, real setting is the back of the ambulance at the end. It doesn't really go anywhere else but the phone box, and the fact that it keeps you watching for an hour and twenty one. Well, the run time is an hour and 21 minutes, but that's including the credits, so we'll call it an hour and 18 minutes, say. Yeah. But the fact that it keeps you watching and it keeps you on the edge of your seat for that time is is worth spending that time alone. The question is, would you would you have ever picked up a, um, a telephone box phone if it was ringing? Because that did happen. I've done that many times. <laughs> And it's usually ended up being the wrong number. <laughs> I've picked up and someone's gone, oh, that was Denise there. No, this is a phone box. This is a phone, phone box. <laughs> so, yeah, I have picked up, picked up a telephone, telephone a few times. <laughs> right, well, let's call time on it then. Um, blimey, we've, we've talked a lot longer than I thought we were going to, admittedly not an awful lot about Phone Booth, but I, I do think <laughs> we've got across the fact that we do actually like this film, you know, because I, I still think it's brilliant, you know. I think the problem is, you know, and here we go, we're going to talk for another half an hour here, I think the problem is there's not an awful lot to say about it. I think it's a film to experience and to go in and just watch and just just enjoy it as it goes on, I think is the best way I can describe it. It's, I think it's just a very interesting film. I think it's very well made, and I think it's a film you can watch a number of times and never get bored of it. Personally, yeah, definitely, definitely, um, definitely worth watching for anyone out there if you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you, you know, you will if you if you like tense action movies. This is gonna be right up your street. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll call time then, uh, I, I believe. Um, thank you for listening, as ever, assuming you have. Um, this uh, this has been Sunday Afternoon Cinema with me, Christopher Windsor, and with Mike Larkin. Say goodbye, Mark. Mark? Mike, rather. <laughs> Jesus. Goodbye, folks. See, Enjoy your Sunday. Ah, you didn't do the joke. Um, if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider um, following us on SoundCloud. We are now on iTunes. We are officially on iTunes. And from what I can see, we have actually had listens. So thank you to those people who have actually listened. Surprisingly, an awful lot of people in Southeast Asia for some reason. I, I don't know why, but there we are. Um, so, yeah, please consider subscribing. Um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard from me, please consider listening to me and Derek talking about films. We go out every two to three weeks. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday uh, when we will be going out live, usually around 7 o'clock. Um, me and Derek haven't seen any films in the past three weeks, so we've got nothing to review. So we're just going to talk about random films and TV shows for an hour and a half, most likely. So, you know, <laughs> if you like what you've heard today, come and listen to me and Derek. 
and thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which is a recorded podcast. The podcast was hosted by myself and Mike Larkin. The podcast was recorded, produced and edited by myself, Christopher Windsor. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes or following on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.